You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, it's great to have you in church this morning, the gathering of God's people. That's going to be the theme this morning, if you haven't got it, from gathering to God focus. That's what we're going to be talking about. And we are in a bridge season at the moment. I love bridges. I love bridges. I love the Harbour Bridge. I love walking across it. I love the big bridges over there in the United States when, uh, before you know it, it's spanning a chasm that seems to go into the very centre of the earth. Bridges are great because they're places of engineered stability. They're places that allow you to go from here to there. Bridges are essential in any transition. You don't get there unless you've crossed the bridge. And how often is it that in life we we forget to think about the bridge. Some of us drive across a harbour bridge every single day and we don't think to thank God for the bridge. <laughs> but bridges are important and that means for us it's a bridge season, it's an important season. It's a time for us to step back and reflect where we've been and where we've headed as a church. It means that, look, this is not a season where we get up and we start talking vision and promised land and all the incredible things God's going to do. And I know he's going to do incredible things in our church. But it's a season that gives us a bit of space to just stop and to think and reflect and to wait upon God and to see what he's doing. Now, this series, Bridge Series, I said last week to those that were here, the four eyes, that you need to view this series anableptically like this little guy here. Uh, he's my favourite amphibian, he or she, but anableps have four eyes. They've got, uh, in each eyeball, it's split into two. And so each eyeball, one looks above the surface of the water in terms of where it's headed. The other eyeball looks below the surface uh, of the water in terms of where it's all, all of its food is. And so what I've been saying to us is we need to view this series anableptically. We need to be looking at this time of transition both above the surface and below the surface. In other words, how do we see things in terms of our transition as a community above the surface, but also what sort of transitions do I need to go through during this time? Now, that's why over the next four weeks we'll look through, uh, through some of the various transition points that we go through as people in any transitions from gathering we talked about that uh, from grief last week we talked about from grief to gathering which is what we talk about this morning to then God focus which I like to think of as future focus and then finally that transition point of getting ready that's where we're headed throughout this series but this morning we're going to look at gathering what's the significance of gathering because last week we saw that uh, Christians expect tears in times of transition. You've got to expect the tears, but you've also got to expect the tears to end. But grief as a process, not the feelings of grief, uh, should last for a season. It should last for a se- The feelings are still there, but the, as a process, grief should last for a season. And the, unasked, the unanswered question that we had was, well, how do I move on from that, that grief? And the next step to that that we see paralleled in the book of Joshua is that you gather. And some of you are already thinking, oh, this is a stitch-up. He's, he's stitching us up. He's, he's telling me we've got to come to church. I know where this is going. <laughs> well, I am. I'm going to tell you that. But that's because that's what the Bible says. Um, but here's, here's the other thing with, with grief. I don't know about you, but when I've been through seasons of grief in my own life, whether it's been transitioning, whether when, it was lost, when I lost my mum, 
when, when, you, when you're in grief, you can almost feel like an emotional etch-a-sketch. Has anyone ever here heard of an etch-a-sketch? Yeah, you, you feel like life has throttled you. It's just it's shaken you. And that emotionally and spiritually and physically, you just feel like all those magnetic bits have just been shaken everywhere. And, and, but what is magical about an etch-a-sketch is that there comes a point where there's a gravity that suddenly pulls all those pieces together. And that gravity, church, is the gathering piece that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, that, let's be real here, when we're in grief, often our tendency as people is to withdraw. Get the ice cream buckets out. Get, get, get the onesie on. Get your favourite television show. Lock yourself inside. <laughs> and yet the Bible says something radically different. It says, no, if you're grieving, you've got to gather. You've got, to, you've, got to get, you've got to get out with God's people. So that's where we're going. We're going to look at corporate gathering this morning, anaplectically. We're going to look at the big picture of what it means to gather corporately, and then we're going to look at what it's going to mean to gather personally. So here it is. Here's the first thing that I learned from this passage this week, is that part of the purpose of God's gathering is to change the world. This is the big picture. This is above the surface picture, is that God's gathering changes the world. Look at the way that they gather. So he says, Moses, my servant, is dead, grief. And then straight into verse 2. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Same verse. Now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. So Joshua's first command from the Lord is gather the people. Now, why all the effort to get everyone together why get everyone together why not just let them go across the river themselves (laughs) and what's ironic is we tend to view the bible far more individualistically than it was ever meant to be read and that is that god's plan for you and for the for the world is far more communal than you think i I mean i don't want to be tongue-in-cheek here but how many preachers preach a message that always wants to say god's plan for your life and your best life. And God has plans for you. And it's all about you. And yet what we see time and time again throughout the scriptures is, no, it's God's plan for his people. For his gathered people. And let's, we're into case studies, aren't we? We had one last week. I've got another one for you. Uh, I flick through it when you get home this week. But just flick a little bit forward into Joshua and see what happens by about chapter 7. Because there's this fascinating case study with this guy called Achan. And it's a pretty crazy story because when Israel went into the promised land, it said God gifted it to them. But he didn't really, I'm thinking, what sort of gift is this? In that they had to go and fight all these people for the promised land. So I I first read it, I thought, what a wonderful gift. No, you have to go in and they have to battle people year on year in order to get into the promised land. There were big, ugly armies in there. And so they occupied the promised land by going to war and they fought against other armies who were already there in the place. But here's the thing. God's rule was that when you were to go into the promised land with the Israelites, when you defeat an army, you must never take the plunder for yourself. And you think, oh, well, that's that's nice. What's different about that? What's different about that is whenever an army back then went in to plunder a place, all the soldiers individually, they just took whatever they wanted. So the deal, part of their, it's called corporate incentivization back then. Part of that, they were corporately incentivized. Your bonus is you get to take all the plunder back home and, and keep it with you. God says, no, you will not be like that. 
And here is where God's people were different. He said, no one is to do that. When you come across the plunder, if you're a soldier, you either destroy it or you bring it back to the tabernacle, which was their version of church back then, the church building, a tent. And so pretty quickly, though, when you read through, they run into a problem because Achan, one of the Israelites, he's in battle. He finds some plunder and he slips it under the pillow. And he, and he hides on the stuff. And then as we're going forward, suddenly, mysteriously, Israel starts losing all of these battles. And they're not far into the promised land. And Joshua's already beside himself. As the great young leader that he is, he's already so beside himself, he starts saying to God, we should never have come into this promised land in the first place. I knew it. And, and they're mysteriously losing battles. And Joshua is crying out, why, Lord? And here it is. Here's what's fascinating. Here's where we're getting to it. What's fascinating, Joshua doesn't know, but God's saying this. Achan was the one that nicked the goodies. And yet in Joshua 7 verse 11, God says, the reason you're losing battles is because Israel has sinned. Now, what, what, what is that all about? What, it was grammatical error. No, it was, it was really clear. You're losing battles because Israel has sinned. And yet what we've read is it was, it was just Achan. It was just that guy and his family. Deal with him, Lord. No, Israel has sinned. And here's, here's what it's telling us. God's purpose for his gathered people in the promised land was not that they would smash every army. God's purpose is that they would be a holy nation, a holy people. They would be different. And... and yeah, they wouldn't be like everyone else. They'd be set apart. That's what holy means. And so God was saying to them, I want you to be a gathered people like no other gathering society has seen, a new society, a new humanity. And this is why it's important for you to see the big picture here. Here's how you need to understand Achan's situation. You see, when Achan thought that he could hide a little something, something for himself under the pillow, what he did was he didn't break a rule. What he did is he caused Israel to fail at being the very community and people of God that that he had purposed them to be. They weren't different anymore. They were like every other army now. And so Joshua wasn't just gathering Israel to boost numbers for a battle. In that context, yes, the battle was the means to that, but the ends of this gathering was to be this. They were to be different. Different from the rest of the world. And so in other words, the people of God is meant to be a community that shows the world how life is meant to be lived. We're meant to be different. Now, how many of us are thinking that cosmically this morning? <laughs> right? Of course, you're, all, all, yeah, you're driving in the car and you're thinking, yes, of course, I'm, I'm driving off to the corner of Oxy Street and Pole Lane to be part of an alternate society that's to show the world how it's really meant to be lived. We're all thinking that cosmically this morning, aren't we? <laughs> Not me. And I'm, I'm, I'm the preacher. You know, I'm the one who studied the stuff for the week. I was just thinking this morning, I'm, I'm just thinking, who the heck was that bozo that smashed my wing mirror on my car last night? If I see him in the street, I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> we, Church, come on. We, we, we often we forget God's cosmic picture for what this gathering is about. 
And you know what those moments are, you know, the wing mirror or you're coming in, you've had a blow up in the car. I know what family like is life after 18 years of doing family life at Northside. You've had a blow up in the car. You're worried that you didn't, weren't able to get your coffee before the service. Uh, there's relational stuff. There's a whole heap of white noise going on. And I know it's there for us. And we, we miss, we, we, we forget the cosmic nature of it all. You know what it is? I call it aconization. We all suffer from it. You see, for Achan, it wasn't about breaking a rule. It wasn't about breaking a rule. What it was for Achan is he forgot who they were. And he forgot who he was in this cosmic, wonderful plan. It wasn't that he just broke a rule. He forgot who he was. He forgot who Israel was, that they were meant to be different. The gathered people of God are meant to be different, an alternate society in the world. And now you're saying, well, oh, that was back then. That's Old Testament. How does that apply now? Now, Give me a New Testament example. I'm a New Testament sort of person. All right, there was this guy called Jesus, and he shared the same name as Joshua, right? Both Jesus was the the modern-day version name of Joshua. And he goes up on a hill, and he gathers all of his people. And he says, you're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. You know, what's amazing about that is it's very difficult to be a city on a hill by yourself, right? He's saying, come on, guys, you're my gathered people, and I'm going to send you out to be an alternate society that's going to show the world how it's meant to live, that's going to show the world what it means to deal with uh, sexuality and with money and with power. And you're going to show them how that life is meant to be lived. And that's why, friends, I'm always saying that for us as a church, it means that the quality of our community will be the secret to our mission. Not a program, not a mission trip. The quality of our community will be the secret. And that is that I'm here to argue that Christianity is true, but you're here as a community to prove that it works. The quality of our community will be the secret of our mission and here's let's get practical for a second here here's what it means it's the it's the amplification principle now, how do you deal with aconization you deal with the amplification principle you ask yourself this if everyone at Northside was to do what I did this week will our church be advancing retreating or staying the same because is it just me or is it just so easy to lose that sense of your individual responsibility to the people of God in our size. God, God has placed us here to be different from the world. That's how, that's how cosmic our calling is this morning. We're not just turning up to sing songs. So we're to be a community that's different. Well, how do you get to be like that? See, uh, God's community is here to change the world. God's gathering changes the world. But here's the other remarkable thing. God's gathering changes you. God's gathering changes you. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were a people, but now you are the people of God. There's this saying, right? If if you wanna if you wanna soar like an eagle, then don't fly with the geese. If you wanna soar like an eagle, then don't fly with the geese. Now, what does it mean? It means you become 
most like the people that you hang around. That community shapes you, that the people around you shape you. How many of you had those moments where you've been with a friend or a sibling or a spouse and they say to you, oh, you are so much like your father. You are so, oh, you are so much like your mother. <laughs> what's, re- what's really funny is for younger folks like me, uh, we, we, we like to think that our formation is all about our choices and this fun word called self-actualization. You know, I, I have become who I am because of the way that I've studied and I'm cultured and refined. And yet as you get a little bit older, all these little idiosyncrasies and I'm watching, their, watching television sort of twisting the hairs on my chest. And Kristen's like, oh, that just weirds me out. That's so like your father. Oh. <laughs> Here's, here's what Peter means. Um, the, the very act of getting around this radical new community, this wonderful, beautiful community, is that it will change you. You'll become like them. You're, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a hagoi ethne, he says. It, it literally means a holy ethnic. You become an entirely new culture. And what that means is you come into the church of God and you come in as a younger person or an older person or you come in with all these identifications as accountants or you come in as a blue collar worker or you come in as an Aussie or an Asian or Italian or whatever. And what it says is the wonderful dynamic of God's community is that you come in and you become, you now become a, a whole new culture. You are Christian first, Aussie second. You are Christian first, Italian second. You are Christian first, a blue collar worker second. You are Christian first, an accountant second. And thank God for that. As an accountant, amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. (laughs) Friends, we are the Hagoi ethne. We are a whole new culture. We are changed. It changes you. You'll become like who we hang around. But here's the other important one. In times of transition, particularly for those of you who have been etch-a-sketched lately, for those who life has thrashed you around a bit and you feel scattered, you know, community is that force that goes... Or another way I like to look at it is that the community is the plaster cast for your life. Right, whenever you're in a time of transition, let's be real, it's a time of weakness, it's a time of transition, it's a time of growth, you're supple. You need, a plast- you need a plaster cast. Whenever you break your arm, what do you do? You don't let it flop around in the breeze. You put a cast on it. You, you put some hard external restrictions on it that stop it from moving so that it might grow and heal into the shape that it's supposed to become. So guys, can you see where I'm going with this? That sometimes, particularly if you're in a time of personal transition, you need community to be that plaster cast across your life. Because I know what I'm like when I'm in crisis or transition. I don't know which way is up or down. And I don't even need to be in crisis. You know, on one hand, I want to lose weight. On the other hand, I love ice cream. <sighs> we humans, we're always, we're always have the potential to fly off in either direction. And this is what community is. When you're, when you're transitioning, you need to come alongside something more solid, more stable, more unshifting to push against you. Because in crisis and in transition, you're almost always all over the place. And you trust in that to do that for you. Let's ground this. 
It's very difficult to live a godly life by yourself. When Jesus says you're a city on the hill, he's not just saying it to be poetic. It's very difficult to live a godly life by yourself because when you come to these ethical prescriptions of the Bible, you will find that they are maddeningly, they are frustratingly non-specific. Has anyone else found that when you read the Bible? Oh, yeah give, yeah, give me the line on what it's to say about sexuality and what it's to say about divorce and what it's supposed to say about money and what it's supposed to say about... Sam, can you just give me the line? I mean, how many Christian authors have tried to write those chinky books that you can almost index that to point you to the exact Bible verse it's supposed to tell you what to do? It, it doesn't work like that, does it? It's, it's so difficult and it's open-ended because God intended the Bible to be read in community. And this is what it means is that, and this is what I, I love about this place, particularly as a church of Christ, is we're a church that embraces a wide variety of theological views in this place. And I never want that to change. Because as Spurgeon said, the, the stone is rolled smooth in the river of truth. Friends, there are bits to my theology that are different now than it was three years ago. There's, there might be bits to your theology that will be different in one year or two years or three years' time. Why? Because when we come together, and when you come into this plaster cast that we call community, you finally submit your will to a, a, a higher authority here, a corporate authority that says, I will give you permission to challenge me. And I will, I will be bold enough to challenge you and I'll wrestle this out. And guess what happens? The, river, the stone starts rolling smooth. Because we, we, we are comfortable, aren't we, church? We are bold enough, church, to understand that we believe that the Holy Spirit is our guide and our teacher along with this wonderful book. And we need not be afraid of differing theologies because we commit to this wonderful thing we call community. And it will shape you and it will grow you. And so here's, here's the summary. God's plan is that he's gathered people will change the world by de- being different. That's a big, that's a big picture. But only by gathering and doing community will you become the sort of person that is different from the world. That's the paradox of all of this. And so practically what it means for you this morning is, have you got an openness or a willingness to be placed in a cast? Are you willing to come under our corporate authority and the teaching of God by his Holy Spirit through his word? Are you willing to let others speak into your life to challenge you and to correct you and to shape you that will only come when you and I commit to gathering? So gathering, it, it changes the world where to be different, but it can change you this morning. And here's the bridge that you need to cross from now gathering to God focus. We'll talk about this more next week because you think, well, okay, how does, how does that work? How's that dynamic? Um, you're going to have to join us next week. For the next instalment of the bridge. <laughs> for Joshua 1 verse 10, Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, tell the people to get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land your Lord God is giving you for your own. Here's how you move out of grief and, get, and into getting ready and gathering. Moving from grief to gathering. Uh, quick story. I remember, I always used to love her stories at the card table. That's what grandmas are good for. And so she told me how she had to leave a lovely home in Seaforth or Balgala uh, 
during the war uh, to, to go down and to um, be with the WAF, the Women's Auxiliary Air Force, down in Melbourne. And one of her jobs for a season there was just to peel potatoes day in, day out, in the middle of winter, two to three degrees. They didn't have enough blankets. She said her hands were, were blue as a young woman just from the cold and she just had to peel potatoes day in, day out, day in, day out. And as a young guy and as a Gen XY right on the cusp, I'm thinking, why the heck would you do that? What would possess someone to leave their comfortable home and go and do something like that? And that's where she said it. I'll never forget. She said, Sam, I did it for the empire. Already we've worked out who the Gen Y and the older generation is because Gen Y's going, what, you, you did it for Darth Vader? <laughs> no, not that empire, the British Empire, silly. <laughs> I did it for the empire. Um, guys, there will be no easier way to transition from a period of grief and loss into something great when if you know yourself well enough, um, you can transition when you've got something bigger than yourself to live for. Joshua says, go, get ready, because we're about to go take that land. We're, we're, about, to go ta- we're about to do it for the empire. So the first application point for us this morning is, do you just get the bigger picture? Are you doing all of this gathering for something bigger than yourself? But then he says, go and, and get ready. Get them all ready. Get ready, says Joshua. And I think that speaks to where we're at in our season at the moment, church. We're going to get ready. We've got to get the supplies ready. There's going to be a point in which we're going to move and there's going to be changes. But get, re- get ready means to prepare yourself mentally and spiritually and physically. It, it, it mean, might mean practically. Like, have you, Are you willing to allow your will to be submitted to the, to the broader, beautiful dynamic of this plaster cast we call community? It means if you call yourself one of our people of God in our community, are you committed to it? Are you invested in it? Time-wise and money-wise. That's what getting ready means. And and so this is not just about gathering here. The big picture is, it's not about tennis clubs gather. Archery clubs gather. Go-karting clubs gather. Bridge clubs gather. Not the bridge, the wonderful game, card game bridge. That's what I learnt with Grandma on a card table. They all get, do those communities change the world? No. Why not? Hebrews 12 gives us an insight into what's different about this place, if you've been wondering. Maybe you're not part of God's community. Maybe you're not a Christian yet. I'm so glad you're here. Here's what all of this means. Hebrews 12, the writer says, You haven't come to a mountain that can be touched, but to Mount Zion, to the joyful assembly of angels and the spirits of men made perfect, then it says you're, re- you're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You know what the writer's saying? What he's saying there is you don't see this with the naked eye, but, the, but from the throne of God in heaven is flowing into a world a power and, and a kingdom which is going to heal the world from its vicious pain. And you know what that means to be the church? It means so much more than budgets and lighting and songs and sermons. What it means to be the gathered people of God, that if you're a Christian and if you're a gathering together this morning with other Christians to worship God on any day, when you gather together, you've actually become part of the power that is flowing from the very throne room of God into the world, which is inevitably going to engulf all evil and all pain and all tears and put all the junk to bed. 
And not only that, not only that, but there is enough of this kingdom authority and power present today flowing from that throne room that if people are willing to submit themselves to it, there, it will take, there is enough power to take the city of city, Sydney and set it alight with repentant joy. With people dancing down the streets, thankful that they've met this God of the universe. That is the power that is at our disposal this morning. And you thought we were just turning up to church? Anableps, four eyes. Come on, how are we seeing it? How are we seeing this bridge season? Are you seeing your place in our place as a community, in our place in the world, as one that is there to show the world how life is truly meant to be lived? But also are you seeing that unless you are willing now in this season, and in this moment as we come to this time of communion, if you're a member of this family, unless you're seeing that you are willing to commit the plaster cast yourself into this place, then you won't change. And we thought we were just coming to church. Let's pray.